This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the AI Hustle podcast, the podcast where we break down the latest in AI news, tools, and interview experts helping you hustle and do more using AI. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you'll know that over the last six months, I've been working on a stealth AI startup. Of the hundreds of projects I've covered, this is the one that I believe has the greatest potential. So today I'm excited to announce AI Box. AI Box is a no-code AI app building platform paired with the App Store for AI that lets you monetize your AI tools. The platform lets you build apps by linking together AI models like ChatGPT, MidJourney, and Eleven Labs eventually will integrate with software like Gmail, Trello, and Salesforce, so you can use AI to automate every function in your organization. To get notified when we launch and be one of the first to build on the platform, you can join the waitlist at AIbox.ai. The link is in the show notes. We are currently raising a seed round of funding. If you're an investor that is focused on disruptive tech, I'd love to tell you more about the platform. You can reach out to me at jaden at AIbox.ai. I'll leave that email in the show notes. In what I view is a significant boost to kind of the rising sector of maritime automation, Saronic, a Austin-based startup, is focused on autonomous defense ships and has successfully secured $55 million in a Series A round. Now, to me, this is a particularly interesting um, field and industry. For those that don't know, I actually, uh, when I was a teenager, when I was, you know, 17, I spent an entire year sailing from San Francisco uh, down to San Diego. Um, and, you know, we spent a few months in California and then we sailed across the ocean to the South Pacific. We visited virtually all the islands in the South Pacific um, and ended our a boat trip in Vanuatu. We, you know, visited Tonga, Fiji, Samoa, pretty much everywhere in the South Pacific. And we lived on a boat for an entire year. So for me, when I see, you know, any of these um, sort of startups that are specifically in this maritime space, this is very interesting to me. Um, I think I'll have some interesting insights on, you know, what may or may not be useful in some of these situations. But of course, this is more focused on defense, which I do not have a ton of experience in, uh, was never part of the military or anything like that. Um, in any case, this is really, really interesting. So the funding round actually witnessed leading participation from Caffeinated Capital. Um, they also had a few other kind of notable VCs, um, including 8VC, Andreessen Horowitz, which of course, A16Z, one of the tops. Um, they had Lightspeed Venture Partners, 0.72 Ventures, and they had a few others. Um, I think interestingly, the US Innovation Technology Fund also um, put into this round. So this was founded by Dino... Mavrukas, who is an ex-Navy SEAL, and that's, you know, Saronic's mission is very crystal clear. Essentially, what they're trying to do is engineer autonomous surface ships tailored for the Navy and other defense customers within the U.S. alliance. So while autonomous maritime vehicles aren't entirely new with companies like, you know, Sail Drone, I'm already making a bunch of waves. They have over $100 million in venture, in venture capital, I believe, for kind of research vessels. The focus on defense by Saronic, I think, kind of distinguishes its market position. So other firms like Y Combinator-backed Shone are directing efforts on tech to retrofit existing ships for autonomous navigation. 
I think what's, you know, really the unique proposition of Saronic um, is that they recently said, quote, we build our boats around the mission and not the mission around the boats. Instead of adapting legacy platforms, Saronic innovates from scratch, aiming to bring uh, aiming to bridge the gap between large naval ship manufacturing and the need for specialized autonomous ship design. So currently the company's spotlight is on two prototypes. They have a six foot spyglass and a 13 foot cutlass. And these are actually very small ships. Um, I guess I'm sure you can imagine, right? Six, six feet. This is like, like a rowboat pretty much. Um, not even right. And a 13 foot so they're they're really going for very small and I'm assuming very versatile uh, crafts. Uh, these vessels are designed with some really cutting edge, remotely updatable software and an ability to handle uh, varied payloads, even in communication challenge zones. So the thing that, that a couple things I'll say here, um, these are very small. So I'm assuming these are meant to go very fast and get into places. They're probably hard to hit. Um, they're a very small target, so I'm assuming that this is great for, you know, that when you look at the military. One thing that I think is interesting, though, is it says these are remotely updatable. Uh, they, they have remotely updatable software. This is actually something recently speaking with some people in this industry, specifically uh, looking at the military. This is something typically I actually see people wanting to avoid. You do not typically want remote updatable software on your ship because if it's remote updatable, that means it's prone to be hacky or hacked, essentially. Um, something that a lot of people are working on right now is, you know, essentially computing on the edge, aka like making these AI models like run on the actual tank or on the actual Humvee or on the actual, um, you know, vehicle itself, if it's going to be autonomous, self, self-driving. Because the problem is uh, if it's, you know, relying on anything in the cloud, then that can get severed. The connection can get severed. If it doesn't have connection, it doesn't run. It can't update. Or, of course, you could have a remote hack that is, you know, essentially updating a, a piece of hardware so- or a piece of software onto it that is, you know, going to render it obsolete. So that's my only thing that I think is a little bit, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical on. But in any case, I'm sure they're, you know, creating encryption in other areas. But, you know, we do know a lot of our... Um, geopolitical adversaries here in the United States, when you think of people like Russia or China, etc., are very, very sophisticated in their hacking and in their, uh, in essentially that whole side of the their military. So something that I would definitely say uh, is important to think about. In any case, um, the U.S. has already, the U.S. Navy has already signed two R&D agreements, uh, which I think is definitely a testament to the startup's potential. Anheim, who is a journalists recently spotlighted a shift in the VC landscape, more investment is definitely right now, I believe, pouring into defense tech. So in fact, 2021 was a banner year for US-based defense tech startups, raising around $2.1 billion across 53 deals. And I think the pace isn't relenting. So Helsing, which is a defense AI startup, they recently raised a whopping $223 million in a Series B round. Close on its heels, there's Castellion and Mock Industries, which secured substantial funding for their different defense tech initiatives. So what is driving the surge in defense tech spending? A lot of people are talking. I think there's a lot of things that play into this right now. Um, You know, I think someone that was kind of like on the edge, kind of pushing this forward before it was super popular. Of course, a lot of people think of Palmer Luckey, who is, you know, kind of the founder of Oculus. 
And after selling that to Facebook, and then I believe getting kicked out of Facebook by the leadership there, he obviously had a you know sizable check from the the sale. I believe they bought Oculus for around three billion dollars, and he uh, went on to go and start Andro, which is a defense startup. They're building a bunch of autonomous uh, you know aircrafts and some other you know drones and other interesting things in this space. And he's been like a very vocal proponent of um, you know essentially. In tech, a lot of times we see people that say, you know, they're they're too good or they kind of have this, you know, superiority complex against working with the military and the U.S. government. His, you know, line of reasoning is that tech companies that are in America should 100% be working with the American government to defend the country that they are, you know, operating in as it's definitely in their best interest. Um, and so I think we've seen kind of a shift in the VC landscape where, you know, you used to have companies like Google, which refused to do any work with the U.S. military. Um, and so I think it's becoming companies and venture capital is definitely warming up to this idea. In addition to that, I think the geopolitical chessboard has, you know, of course, the ongoing Ukraine conflict, which is um, if you just looked at it from a political perspective, um, there is definitely more lawmakers on the Democrat side that are more publicly supporting that and probably more on the conservative side uh, that are less in favor of funding that conflict. Um, and so I think because of that, of course, Silicon Valley, where you typically had this pushback against working with the military from employees at Google who were, you know, had a higher chance of being uh, left leaning, all of a sudden there's kind of this like big conflict that um, I believe, you know, their own political party is really talked about the importance of. And so I think, you know, things like that also are kind of shifting the mindset of people on the right and the left um, as far as working with tech and working with, um, you know, tech in the military. So I think there's a bunch of also regulatory shifts in China that are affecting tech uh, exports and investments um, combined with some really proactive U.S. policies like CHIPS and the Science Act are kind of recalibrating global investment strategies. However, I think amidst all of these global, you know, currents, Saronic remains focused on its core strength. Um, as Marukas puts it, the company is not just another boat builder dabbling in tech, but is a bona fide tech firm addressing the unique challenges of maritime autonomy. So far, Saronic's voyage seems very promising. I think um, they have $70 million in venture capital already in uh, their bank. And I think they have a really robust team of around 45 people. So the startup, I think, is poised to um, make some big steps in maritime defense tech. And it's definitely a company we'll continue to follow into the future. If you are looking for an innovative and creative community of people using ChatGPT, you need to join our ChatGPT creators community. I'll drop a link in the description to this podcast. We'd love to see you there where we share tips and tricks of what is working in ChatGPT. It's a lot easier than a podcast as you can see screenshots, you can share and comment on things that are currently working. So if this sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the comment. We'd love to have you in the community. Thanks for joining me on the OpenAI podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would rate this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to the AI Hustle podcast. If you could do us a massive favor, we would really, really appreciate it if you could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps people find the podcast. It helps people know this is a good place to go. And we would really, really appreciate it as it helps us continue to bring on incredible guests and share incredible content for you to listen to.